Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Jay Talks to the People Radio. I am the host, Jay. And I am so, so beside myself that another episode has been born on Jay Talks to the People Radio. I am also streaming live on YouTube. Welcome to the first expanded form of J Talks to the People Radio. Find J Talks to the People, of course, on www.blogtalkradio.com slash J Talks to the World. As well as finding finding J Talks to the People on YouTube. They Talk to the People is an interaction-based platform for you people to speak up, speak out. From current events to personal views to controversial matters, email the show on information, on questions, remarks, comments, topics, requests for debates, news, all that, send it to people at yahoo.com. You can share this information on the Facebook group. That is Facebook, 
and you'll find Jay Talks to the People Facebook group. Become a member today in Jay Talks to the People Facebook group. So this and also the other episodes of Jay Talks to the People can be found as going to Jay Talks to the People www.blogtalkradio.com slash jtalks to the people you will find the former episodes there and if you would like to call in you have that option to do so dialing 319 or excuse me dialing 516 516-666-8290 once again, that's 516-666-8290. So we have back on the Think About It series. And think about it, part seven. The question is, what if you know or knowing that your last day is tomorrow? Your last day to live is tomorrow. What would you do? How would you spend your last 24 hours? Has that ever even crossed your mind? Are you just thinking about the new movie that's coming out, the new song, the new clothing line or fashion? Are you giving anything else, any of your thought? Friday night, you just got paid. Time to go out on the town, dibble and dabble. Strut your stuff and party, celebrate. Tomorrow takes care of itself. And when tomorrow comes, Comes tomorrow. Let me know how it turns out. So just a small bracket of things to think about to stimulate your mind. And once again, I was hoping to get this screen share function rolling. If you are Having access to YouTube, you can see images and different things, materials that we can broadcast during the show. On the radio program, on Blog Talk, we just had the slideshow, so you only see images that are uploaded and that are displayed. And we can have so much more capability, so much more enhancement of show material and content to be displayed while we're having on different guests or people that want to speak up and speak out. So in a moment, we're going to start with some clips to get your brain jumping.
So, you know, thinking about it, before you make an action, before you say anything, it's trusted that you've ruminated, that you've had some thoughts, that you had some type of reasoning going on. So these thoughts that accumulated in your brain, we could say consists of what? Uh, facts, things that we know due to experience, due to what we've been taught, and all these things sum up to us figuring out and rationalizing the world and experience and existence around us. And for the past few years, that's what I've been developing in my mind. Talking about logic, things that make sense versus things that don't make sense, things that are inconsistent, things that are irrational, things that wouldn't work under this natural realm. And I've noticed year after year, as I hopefully expect, that I've accumulated growth in my knowledge, in my experience, as well as hopefully all of you all. Growth and development in my thinking, in my mindset in my perception of things, learning how to apply logic, growing from youth years to the future. Or how my perception has changed on many things in life. Things that I used to think about, certain things I didn't think about the same way before. I don't know if all of you agree, but I have seen that it's been proven that it's good to look at things in a different light, in different perspectives. You know, once you see things in a different perspective, they really enhance and accumulate your understanding of a lot of different things that you didn't understand quite as well. But looking at them in different perspectives makes the comprehension more facilitated. From my vantage point, the direction of less is west. From your vantage point, that would be east to you. I see something as half full. You see it as half empty. Different perspectives. And along with that, you learn about your mindsets, your perception, and how you react to things. 
your sentiment and your emotions. And believe it or not, emotions, if you allow it to consume you, will what? Will trump logic, will trump rationale. You notice that you don't seem as smart or make the best decisions when emotion totally consumes you, consumes your mind. Should you not allow emotions to consume you unless it's in an ultimate end of total constructive substance and prosperity. Outside of that, would it be safe to say to allow logic to take over? I've talked with this about with Mr. Baxter. I had him on the show a couple episodes ago. We were talking about fundamentals. Is it true from the beginning there were fundamentals, things that we learned through trial and error, things we learned to be realities, facts, again, logic, principles, So if there are universal fundamentals in order to existence, or there's a a certain order to existence, how and where did our opinions come into play? Where did they formulate? And the next question is, because this is the Think About It series, should we embrace more facts? to incorporate in our everyday lives the wealth of truth for a better, optimal living in lieu of just what I think and feel. Think about it. Questions and comments, send them over to the email, people at Yahoo. Send them at Yahoo. You want to voice your opinion. That would be 516-666-8290. So, let's get into this clip. I believe this is another one by... Jesse Lee Peterson, and we'll let him do all the talking. So I was up in Sacramento to testify against a bill, SB 10, which would allow criminals in the black and Hispanic community to get out of jail without having to post a bill. And these Democrats are claiming to uh, be pushing this bill because they said white people can afford to pay to get their folks out of jail, but black people have to put up their homes, the Hispanics. And that's not fair. Isn't that amazing? And so I want you to know that if this bill passes, it means that 
uh, if someone in your community, whether it's a drug dealer, a rapist, a robbery, or whatever it might be, and they go to jail, they can get out and wait for a trial without having to post a bail. And this is going to put everybody's lives at risk. You're not going to have any witnesses go forward or come forward, go forward and testify because they're going to be afraid to. Knowing that the criminals will be getting out of jail, they want to let these people out on their own and, and really put the bail bonds uh, out of business. But they want to do it because they say that the pol- there's too much police and it's racism and it's not fair to the blacks that they have to put their homes up for uh, as, uh, what do you call it, as bail for to make sure that the criminals show up for their trial or hearing while the white people can afford, the rich white people, they say, can afford to pay money. Isn't that crazy? So they're just dropping on the black folks and the Hispanics, and they don't have just enough to care about them because they think this is love because the people use the word racist, the, the Democrats do. It's mind-blowing. Isn't that amazing? And they say they are doing it because they love black people and Hispanics. They are doing it because they want the votes. This is what this is all about, putting blacks and Hispanic lives and innocents lives at risk just to get the vote. That's what this is all about. And the bottom line, I think, is this. We're talking about justice. We're talking about the need to constantly be vigilant, to continue to reinvent and create the newest tools available to make sure that people who are dealt with in the justice system are dealt with fairly, honorably, are not treated in a different manner because of the color of their skin or the size of their wallet. This is America. This is what this place is about. Did the bail system work some years ago? I don't know. Bail schedules were a lot less. It cost a few hundred dollars to bail out. There's a number of reasons why they've changed. The question before us, or this committee, before this legislature, is do we have a better path forward in how we treat our people? Do we administer justice? And the bottom line is, with the best minds available, does it upset the apple cart to some extent as to how business has been done? Of course it does. There's all sorts of examples throughout society where changes occur, and this is something for the better, something which is the highest purpose of any purpose, which is justice, making sure that the creed of this country and what we stand for goes to the greatest lengths to protect folks at every income level, under every circumstance. While living behind a gated fence or wall, gated wall with security, he is sponsoring a bill that will let criminals, suspects, out of jail without having uh, to post a bail. SB 10. They want to let criminals out of jail without having to post a bill. Isn't that amazing? And they say that the reason they want to do it is because it's unfair that the rich and the whites get out while blacks and Hispanic single mothers and grandmothers go hungry. And, and they claim that these people are going hungry to get their young people out because they're over-policed. 
Why can't you be over-policed? I'm just expressing my deep concerns. Because at the end of the day, um, with all due respect to the gentleman who spoke, in my community where I live among black and brown people, at my house, in my neighbors, um, there's some very real and immediate concerns. Because the way the bail system works, if you're uh, over-policed in a community like mine and you're picked up, and a uh, officer charges you with a crime, and you are a good, working individual trying to get to work, and you come up with thousands of dollars to get out, even for a crime you're never charged with, you lose, as we always say, your grandmother's bank account, basically. And that never gets returned. There is something emphatically wrong with the way that they all works in communities like mine that are over-policed and the assumption that the people who are picked up on charges, and I know I'm speaking to the choir, but, you know, are guilty of those is, um, you know, often sometimes they're guilty of lesser charges, sometimes they're not guilty of anything, sometimes they're never charged, and that's a real problem. Isn't that amazing? So they're claiming that in the black community that the mothers cannot afford to get their Sons and daughters out of jail, so they have to post bail while the rich can afford to just pay to get their folks out. They had one Hispanic woman go up and testify in favor of it, and she said she had committed some kind of crime, went to jail, and it was hard on her family. Her grandmother had to put up her home to bail her out, and it was just so hard, and it was hard for her because... She had to see her grandparents suffer. I'm like, is this woman crazy? You do the crime, you do the time. Commit the crime, do the time. No one's feeling sorry for you, stupid woman. My name is Melody, and I'm here from San Diego to speak about my personal experience with the money bill system and how it impacted my life for several years. About 11 years ago, I did something really stupid, and I ended up being arrested. And this was my first and only event. Um, at the time, I was a full-time student. I worked for the county of San Diego. I lived with my grandparents who um, had been raising me. Um, people can only imagine what it's like to sit in jail, but for me, the reality of this was much more terrifying than I could ever have imagined. I would call home every hour begging for someone to do something. So being a mother myself now, I can understand what my grandparents felt. Understandably, they would have done whatever they could in their power to get me back home. My grandparents at the time were on a fixed income, um, living paycheck to paycheck. So for our family, um, there were no savings. When we heard that the only way for me to get out was a $50,000 bail, we all shared the same reaction. Uh, we were all sick to our stomachs because we knew there was no way um, that we could come up with that kind of money. So we worked with the bail bonds companies immediately. Um, the down payment, of course, was more than what my grandparents could afford. So they had to use credit and also borrow from friends to do so. And then they promised to pay a monthly payment that they knew wasn't even close to fitting into their budget. And at the end of um, my court sentencing, I was sentenced to community service hours and three years probation. After completing this debt, I thought, you know, I was finally free of the nightmare I had caused. Um, little did I know that the bail bondsman um, debt would continue for years. Again, this is Mrs. J Talk to the People. The host Jay had asked me to tell you all something, and that is to give thanks to all those who have stopped, took time to stop by and listen to J Talk to the People radio program. The program is an interaction-based platform for you guys and ladies, the people, to speak up and speak out from current events to personal views to controversial matters. Be part of this show, this new season, this new day.
Hello and welcome to Live from L.A. My guest today is from the old school where invaluable theater training was the rule of thumb. He's toured Europe in Othello and has had memorable appearances on TV classics such as Bonanza, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and a host of others. But it is the rare genre of black horror films that gave him the role for which he is most known. During the surge of black exploitation films of the 70s, William Marshall gave a convincing portrayal of the terrifying but debonair vampire in the cult classic Blackula. Almost two centuries ago, the ruling elders of my people sent me, yes, and my bride to Europe on a mission to protest the slave trade. The slave trade? On that mission, I myself was enslaved. My wife murdered and I was placed under the curse of the undead. Our assassin was the vampire, Count Dracula. Oh, yes, we all remember <laughs> that. Please welcome William Marshall. Thank How you. are you? Welcome I'm to live. I'm frightened. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Actually, it was like, who? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, it's Halloween. You can be a little bit frightened. All right. <laughs> you can be Fine. a little bit Think frightened. I'll settle into that. <laughs> settle Thank into you. it. Yes. Well, we're glad to have you here and glad to see you. It, it is interesting because of all of the wonderful roles that you've had over the years, and you've had many, Blackula is the one that you're most known for. Why do you think that is that way? Well, it was a part of the so-called exploitation period in the early 70s when there was an outcry on the part of black artists and would-be producers, writers for films that dealt with the lives of black folk because mm -hmm. <laughs> this had never really been done or considered That's very it. much in the United States. And um, I remember myself saying there were so many stories that uh -huh. black people uh, could have fit into very easily since you say there isn't much material about us. Mm -hmm although we have the richest history of any folk walking this earth. We do have a lot of history. Much of that history you brought uh, to this film. You were quite demanding about that, I understand. Well, well, quietly, yes. I thought it would make it a better film, and it what would make it, it a film that I could be in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you were telling a little bit of the story. We saw a brief part of it, but what was it that you brought to the film that you worked hard to convince The character's to name was um, Andrew Brown when they handed me the script. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Brown, as you may know, is a character in uh, Amos and Andy of ages ago that was not the finest thing that ever could have happened to us. Did the producers really, were they thinking about Andrew Brown from Amos and Andy, do you think, in well, 1972 when they did Blackula? That was the name of the character, okay. and I think they were old enough to know about Amos and Andy and the damaging effect that it had on us. I think there was something of a resentment on the part of many producers who... Uh, sensed this outcry mm -hmm. and didn't want our voices to ring resonantly about and create a, a new kind of genre. Right. So, and that they were interested in my playing the part, I explained that this was not a part that was going to um, be successful where they were concerned. They want to make money. Uh, this isn't it. They said, you need to have a property right. that will be of interest to your target audience. Sort of a hook that would yes. really make it work. So he, he's got to be meaningful. He's got to, when he becomes a, a vampire, he is no longer useful to his people. Um, 
So he sets out from Africa, as I see it, uh, trying to do something about putting an end to the slave trade. It's draining Africa of its people. Mm -hmm. It's a vile, vulgar thing. Right. And uh, that's his mission. He doesn't succeed, but at least he attempts. He attempts to succeed. Now, this is, you actually convinced them to change the script, and as we saw in the movie, uh, Blackula, before he became Blackula, was a prince from Africa. Prince Mamu Warode. Was there much resistance at that time? To Absolutely. Do <laughs> what did they say to you? What kinds of things were? Oh, I don't. I don't think that will work. Uh, we don't want to deal with the subject of slavery. And I said, yeah, well, we didn't want to either. <laughs> Had to. And I think that it hasn't been dealt with properly. You're listening to J Talk to the People Radio.
racism doesn't exist and never existed. Let's take a look. Our issue is not about racism. There's no such thing as racism. Now, he's not going to go over it because he's working for most of them. See, the thing about it is when you get into a certain position of authority, you get to meet these people. You're listening to Jay Talk to the People Radio.
or uh, rap about it. Then they don't they put in music or TV. We just go with what they tell us without trying to figure it out. I understand. We're black folks. If you feel tired, you are in serious trouble. So I when in my time to speak, I said that this guy Hirschberg what's his name, Jason? I said Hirschberg and the folks who are bombing this bill hate black people. I said it really loud. And a roar just went through the building. My name is Reverend Jesse Peterson, and I am founder and president of Bond, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. We are a national organization. I'm also a radio talk show host. I work with black men and women and children all the time for the last 27 years. I live in a community. And to come up with SB10 is absolutely insane. And I do want to say first that uh, Senator Hertzberg and the sponsors of this bill hate black people. They hate black women. They hate black children. Because these people are not going to live. These people are not going to live in these communities. Drug dealers, 